everyone. Welcome again to the Christian Hunters of America podcast, where you will be hearing from Marvin Zeser with Bow Hunting in Arizona record book. Marvin is going to discuss how the book got started, how Arizona models uh, are scoring, and how we look at the different animals as far as our big game animals compared to Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett, how we mirror some of their measurement standards, and how our record book stands compared to other states, and how some of our animals here in Arizona are the world records for all of North America. Thank you for continuing to listen to Christian Hunters of America podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is one of your hosts, Chet, and I am joined by my other co-host. How you guys doing? Uh, Mike Kronoska here. We're excited to be down here at the pod. Um, it's a great place to come down and uh, do these podcasts. We sure appreciate the pod for the opportunity. Welcome, Marvin. Thank you. This episode is going to be with Marvin Zeser with Arizona Bow Hunting and Arizona Record Book. Welcome, Marvin. Thank you very much. Let's first dive into what uh, Arizona BIA is all about. So um, a lot of people think that the Arizona Bow Hunters Association, which is you know one of the largest bow hunting associations in the state, and the record book are synonymous with each other, and and they aren't. They're two completely separate organizations. So there's the Arizona Bow Hunters Association that's been around for 40 or 50 years, and Bow Hunting in Arizona Record Book, which is a separate corporation, separate organization. They've never been part of the same organization ever. So, and Bow Hunting in Arizona Record Book, uh, the first edition came out in 1980. So, uh, that's when that program started. When did when did BIA itself? And when we say BIA for everyone listening, that's Bow Hunting in Arizona. That's the record book that we're talking about. When did BIA start? And can you kind of give us? us and the listeners a little history about that? So uh, in the late 70s, Tall da- Tom Dalrymple um, down in Tucson uh, was a member of an organization called the Arizona Bowhunters and Field Archery Association. And uh, he went to the board and uh, recommended that they have a standing committee to explore the possibility of putting out a bowhunting record book for the state of Arizona. And they uh, created that uh, program eventually it was uh, they came out with a recommendation they got permission from the Boone and Crockett Club to use their scoring system and uh, the book was born the uh, they started collecting uh, entries and put out the first record book in 1980 so the first edition was issued then and uh, was embraced quickly by the Bowhunters of Arizona that sold out very quickly and we've been a an organization since that day. Can you give any history on why why it was started? Did, was there a need to showcase some of Arizona's animals versus on a national level with Pope and Young and Boom and Crockett? Well, I think the uh, reason that all bo- all hunting record books were started originally, and bow hunting record books in particular, were started to show the efficiency of the weapon, so that. We could collect data and go to game and fish departments and show them that bow hunters were capable of taking animals, that their bows were efficient, that um, that they could compete, and that there would be hunters that would want that if there were seasons, 
because the permits would need to come from somewhere. So they would have to take away some rifle permits in Arizona, for example, and move them over to archery seasons. And so uh, record books were primarily formed to show uh, a history of how the game health, if records are going up, state records, national records, and Pope and Young are constantly being broken, that's showing that the wildlife management is succeeding, animals are steadily getting bigger, they're not declining, um, the health of the population uh, provides data to show that there are more and more people interested in bow hunting and that they're being more and more successful at bow hunting. And uh, that's really one of the most important functions that record books have served, hunting record books have served over the years is just to uh, be able to provide data that, that, that justifies our sport. That's great. That's great information. Have, have you been involved with bow hunting in Arizona since its inception, or when did you become involved? I came into the organization, uh, it was probably around the year 2000, so it had been a program for 20 years or so when I came into it. Okay, so you've still been involved with 21 years. That's great. I'm glad to hear that we have an, a record book, one, and that it does so much more for wildlife conservation. Um, do you guys mirror, when you guys were saying Boone and Crockett, you went and Pope and Young, do you guys mirror some of their scoring requirements in order to be entered into our Arizona book? So the, the record scoring system itself, the methodology used to measure each species, is borrowed from the Boone and Crockett system the same way that the Pope and Young has also borrowed their system. Um, we have to maintain pretty close to their guidelines in order to uh, not abuse that right. We do on occasion change a rule, uh, perhaps a fair chase rule. Maybe it's something that only our state would have uh, a rule like that, or maybe we want to be more specific about a problem uh, that we're having in our state or, or a trend that we're seeing. So sometimes we might be more specific um, so we don't have the exact same fair chase statement that Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett has. Pope and Young has their own, which is slightly different than the Boone and Crockett system. We have our own, which is slightly different as well. Um, and Pope and Young has slightly different rules on measuring certain animals than Boone and Crockett does. Um, and, uh, but for the most part, we try and mirror Pope and Young's rules whenever we can. Uh, Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett are also working together. And for those that don't know, I, I guess I should real quickly say that Boone and Crockett is an all-weapons record book. A lot of people call it the rifle record book. But whether you take something with a crossbow, a bow, a handgun, a muzzleloader, a rifle, uh, in fact, even if you pick up a nice rack that, that was winter-killed, um, you can enter it to Boone and Crockett. So it, it's trying to collect data of of how big an animal can grow of each species over time. Um, they only give awards to uh, uh, hunters generally, but they they will accept all all weapon types. Pope and Young will only take vertically drawn bows uh, that are handheld and drawn by hand, so they will not take entries from crossbows. And uh, Pope and Young, I'm sorry, bow hunting in Arizona tries to mirror Pope and Young as much as possible. On on occasion, 
if our entire board feels like uh, we have a different opinion than Pope and Young, on occasion we've we've uh, made a slight variation from that. But generally, if Pope and Young makes a change to their system, uh, we make the same change to our system whenever possible. Makes sense. I've been hearing rumors that both uh, the Arizona record book and also Pope and Young are looking at maybe at a velvet class coming up. Is that true that there's possibly going to be a separate entry for velvet species? Well, it's more than possible. And and in that case, we actually, the uh, Arizona book actually uh, embraced that and Pope and Young uh, did it after us. So um, within the past year, uh, bow hunting in Arizona decided to uh, have separate categories for velvet. In the past, velvet antlered animals and hardhorned antlered animals have been mixed together in the same classification. And uh, since it's generally felt by most hunters that that measuring a velvet animal might give it a slightly higher score, we've traditionally subtracted two and a half percent from the score, and then we mix them together into one category. Um, there have been some animals that had been previously entered where the hunter later decided to strip the velvet off and we rescored them and we learned that two and a half percent was on the high side and Pope and Young ran into this years ago where some of their members felt that two and a half percent in fact I think they were a higher percentage than that Pope and Young um, some years ago but everyone felt that that was a little bit high Pope and Young, uh, a decade or two ago, I don't remember the exact year, maybe 20 years ago, uh, decided that there's no real way to understand how much velvet adds to the score. So they uh, decided to have separate categories. But if you entered an animal into a velvet category, even though it was listed with other velvet animals in that category, they did not print them in the record book uh, in score order, they didn't. They didn't want to have a world record velvet mule deer typical, for example. Um, so they listed them in the record books by the date that they were killed to make it more difficult to go in and look and see uh, which one was the biggest. Uh, also, once it had been printed, once a velvet entry had been printed in a hardbound record book, it would be deleted from future listings. So, any and Pope and Young prints a new book every six years, so. Every six years, they would purge it and start over, so the next book would only show the velvet entries from the previous six years. Um, Arizona, on the other hand, mixed them all together in one category, subtracted 2.5% for velvet, and we left them in there forever, so they were forever mixed. We just put an asterisk next to the velvet entries so that the reader of our book could tell that that animal had had a 2.5% reduction of its original score. Um, Sometime this past year, we decided... It was a very, very close vote, and we discussed it for a long period of time, and uh, we finally decided we were going to split them into two categories, with velvet and hardhorned being different in all of the antlered categories, uh, much like Pope and Young. But we were going to put them in, in rank order by score, and we're also going to honor a state record in each velvet category. It was our intention to announced this at our banquet last year, but because of the virus, we uh, ended up postponing that banquet. And uh, we did let our measurers know last year, but we never got the chance to tell the general public. So this will be the first time that most people have heard about that. So 
Uh, by the time we print our next book, we will be separating them into two different categories. Uh, we will we will add back the two and a half percent that we previously deducted. Unfortunately, we're an all volunteer organization. We have no paid employees, and we have no uh, no funding other than the sale of our books and a, a small percentage of the profit from our our award banquets. So. Uh, we try and raise just enough money to print the next book or, and to buy the plaques uh, for our award banquets, which are usually every two years. So um, we're not going to go back and reissue certificates at the higher score. Unfortunately, that's not going to be possible for us at this time. So I apologize to everybody that uh, they won't be getting a new certificate, but their score will be returned to its original score. Certificates and plaques going forward will show uh, the velvet score with no point reduction, Great. and uh, and then oh, and and shortly after that, maybe a few months after that, Pope and Young met. We had been discussing that I'm a, a major for Pope and Young as well, and I've served on the records committee and uh, different things for Pope and Young for at least 15 years, and um, I'm not not currently on that committee, but I have done different things for Pope and Young over the year. I'm an official major for Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett. So, um, but we'd been discussing putting a, a world record and allowing uh, Velvet Animals to win biennial awards in Pope and Young for some time. Uh, a lot of the officers, the records chairman changed here in the past year or so. And with the new uh, people coming into office, they uh, voted to do that. So Great. going forward, Pope and Young will also give uh, awards. All record books will be listed by score. Uh, they won't be purged after six years like they were. So they will be treated identically to hard-antlered entries. They will just be in a separate category. But there will be a world's record typical hard-horned mule deer and a world's record velvet typical hard-horned mule deer. So fantastic. Great. That's great news. Well, we're talking about mule deer and coos deer and all of our other animals that are hard-horned and in velvet. Can you explain what animals in Arizona are allowed into the book? What species? So Arizona has 10 big game species, uh, and we have records category for all 10 of those. Um, a couple of those have subspecies. So in Arizona, turkey and javelina are big game animals, and turkey has three subspecies. So uh, we do have a separate category for each of those. And uh, so we have the Rio Grande turkey, the Merriam's turkey, and the Gould's turkey. And we have two different subspecies of bighorn sheep. We have the desert bighorn and the Rocky Mountain bighorn. So they have separate categories as well. Um, all antlered animals have a typical and a non-typical category. So there's the 10 general big game species in Arizona. Uh, the antler ones have typical and non-typical, and those that have subspecies have their own categories. We also uh, accept entries for three small predator categories, which is fox, gray fox in Arizona, and uh, coyote and bobcat. And... Uh, we just do a simple listing of those people. If you want to enter that, if you've taken one of those with a bow, you can go online and you can uh, follow the instructions on how to enter that. And every record book just lists an entry of the people that have shot a coyote with a bow and what year they they took that coyote. So, um, And then we have some specialty awards, which we can talk about in, in a little bit. And 
for those hunters that have taken a number of different species with a bow, we have a few different awards, uh, and those are for both big game species and small predator species. So, how does one enter um, their their record? How does when they harvest any of those animals? What's the process that they need to do in order to reach out to you guys and potentially get it scored? And if it is meeting the requirements, how does it get entered into that book? So the best way to do it would be to go to our website. And uh, it's a very complicated website, bowhuntinginarizona.com. All one word, bowhuntinginarizona.com. And there are instructions on there about uh, the procedure to follow. There's also a page of all the official measures uh, we put together a table, actually, that shows official measures for uh, bow hunting in Arizona, as well as Arizona has another record book, uh, which is kind of mirrors Boone and Crockett in that it's an all-weapons record book called Arizona Wildlife Trophies, although I've heard some rumor that they may have changed the name of that book, but it's been around since... I believe 1975 was their first book, so they've been uh, around just a little longer than us. Um, but uh, so Arizona has an all weapons book. They have a bow hunting only book. Uh, Pope and Young has a record book, and Boone and Crockett has a record book. So we have created a table that shows who the official measures are for all four of those programs on our website. So if you take an exceptional animal that might be big enough to enter into Boone and Crockett, for example, a 400-inch elk that's big enough to enter into Boone and Crockett, you might want to enter it into all four of those programs. So uh, you'd be best to find a measure who's certified to measure for all four programs. Um, Boone and Crockett measures can measure for all four programs. Uh, Pope and Young measures can measure for every program except for Boone and Crockett and Bow hunting in Arizona measures or Arizona wildlife trophies measures uh, only measure for those programs. But it'll show you on the website in that table. Uh, find the one closest to you. They're alphabetically listed by what city they live in. Uh, find one that's close to you. Give them uh, a call and they can guide you through that process. There's also a tab on our website that shows uh, the process, uh, what photos are needed, what forms are needed. All the forms are on the website, so you can just follow the instructions uh, or just call a major and have them help you out. So now you tell me that after 15 years of driving all the way across town to come see Marvin to, <laughs> to score all my stuff. So, But again, that's also one of the things is, you know, going back 15 years ago, I think that's where we built a friendship, you know, and I think once you start to measure stuff, you build those relationships and you start to go the same measure just because it's a social time and to have a cold beer sometimes or say and have dinner and just kind of talk about hunting. That's, that's the great thing about the book is it's, it's all hunters and there's lots of stories and we all have different perspectives. So I do appreciate your friendship and coming on today for sure. So. I appreciate yours as well. It's kind of like having your own barber or your own taxidermist. Uh, you know, somebody has, uh, well, I've got to go to my taxidermist. That's the taxidermist you always use. Uh, a lot of people are loyal to their measure yep. and uh, just feel confident that that person's going to uh, do a confident, yeah, accurate job. So 100%. If, if someone was more interested in becoming a measurer, what would they need to do for training-wise in order to get approved by Bowhunting and AZ or Pope and Young? I mean, I know you're speaking on behalf of Bowhunting and AZ, so we'll, we'll start with that. What would they need to do in order to get that next step if they were really passionate about that? That's an excellent question. So uh, the very best way would to become 
a measure for either Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young, and then you could measure um, everything. So if I were a hunter and I killed a 100-inch coos deer, for example, uh, maybe I want to enter it into bow hunting in Arizona and I want to enter it into Pope and Young. Uh, so I would want to find a measure that could do both. A bow hunting in Arizona measure is not going to be able to measure that and, and submit it to Pope and Young for you. So uh, if you want to measure the larger animals, the, the hunters that take really large animals are going to go find a Pope and Young measure or a Boone and Crockett measure. Um, so the bow hunting in Arizona measures or the ones that measure just for Arizona wildlife trophies tend to measure the smaller entries or, or uh, things that are only in Arizona, like a turkey or, or a javelina. But if, you, if you're really passionate, you can uh, go on the website of either of those two national organizations and apply to be a measure. Um, but if you do want to just uh, measure local animals and, and you want to be on uh, bow hunting in Arizona, we do periodically offer a training class. Um, we don't do it with any regularity. You can contact any member of the board of directors, which is also on our website or in our record book, and um, and tell us that you're interested in that, and we'll keep you in mind if we do end up planning a measuring class. Um, uh, if you do want to become a measure for uh, Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young, that does require going to school. Uh, it's probably, as I recall, about a five-day class. Um, those two organizations have started working very closely over the past couple of years, and they've gone through any of the species where, where the formula was different on how to measure the animal in Boone and Crockett versus how to measure it in Pope and Young, and they've tried to reconcile those differences to, to, make, to try and make them exactly the same. In fact, I can only think of one species that currently is different. Pronghorn antelope still has a potential difference, whether it's measured but for Boone and Crockett or for Pope and Young. Um, the, there used to be moose and some other things, but I think all those differences have been reconciled now. But, uh, but if you, if you uh, go on one of those websites, you can apply to become a measurer. Uh, they will contact you. They usually teach one class per year, uh, maybe two classes per year, and it might be anywhere in the country, anywhere in North America, really. Um, so... Maybe this year's class is going to be in Maine and you don't want to go to Maine, so you have to wait till next year when there's going to be one out west or something a little closer. Um, but, uh, but they used to run their own separate courses. If you became a Pope and Young major like I did, that was the first one that I was a major for. I went to school for five days or however long it was, and, and then years later I became a Boone and Crockett major, so you would have to return to school. So now those two programs are working together, and usually they, they plan a training class together so that you can become certified in both, which is really nice that they're working more closely together. Like all outdoor groups should be. <laughs> we always discuss that, but there's so much, um, I wouldn't say infighting, but there's always who wants to be the best, who wants to be the leading. So we always are preaching how to get along and and uh, I mean, it sometimes seems redundant in today's day and age, but we do all need to get along and in order to find common ground because we're all striving for the same thing. Totally agree. And, and one thing real quick, if, if you have had an animal measured for Pope and Young in the past, and maybe you didn't know that Arizona had its own bow hunting record book and you'd like to get that animal in now, 
we will take a photocopy of of that score sheet uh, from Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young. It doesn't have to be an original score sheet. You would just need to go to our website and get the application form and the Fair Chase affidavit and print those out, fill those out, um, send it to us with uh, the other requirements that are on the website. There's five or six things you need, some photos of the trophy, uh, a small recording fee. Arizona only charges $20 recording fee, uh, which includes the time it takes us for to, to go through all the records and, and uh, put it in the book and uh, send you a certificate. So, Does Arizona Bow Hunting in there, does the Bow Hunting in Arizona book, does it mirror, I know it, judging wise, it mirrors Pope and Young, but does it have the same limits or the same size requirements in order to be entered into the book as uh, the national ones? That's another great question. So, so the, the strictest limits are Boone and Crockett. So since the vast majority of Boone and Crockett entries are taken with a rifle, they tend to have very high uh, minimum scores in order to enter something into Boone and Crockett. So, uh, for example, since I know the numbers for pronghorn antelope, uh, Boone and Crockett, to enter it into their all-time record book, has to score 82 Pope and Young has to score 67, and uh, I believe Arizona, without looking, I think uh, bow hunting in Arizona is 65, I believe is our minimum. So um, so they do all have different minimums. The state programs are usually a little lower than what the national programs are for the all-weapons book. Theirs is a little lower than Boone and Crockett. Ours is a little bit lower than Pope and Young, with one exception, and... Uh, uh, strange as it may seem, Arizona actually has a significantly higher minimum entry for desert bighorn sheep. Uh, so Pope and Young's minimum is 120. Uh, we felt that in a state like Arizona that produces most of the biggest desert bighorn sheep in the world, that seemed incredibly low. And almost everyone that takes one is larger than that anyway. Uh, our minimum is 140 for desert bighorn sheep. But other than that, we're usually just a little bit less than Pope and Young's minimum score. So based on the book, and, and I I think I bought the last three cycles of the books when they came out, so there's always these stories that you guys put in the, in the book that basically talks about a personal story. Do you want to kind of expand on some of the stories that, that an individual that would like to purchase the most recent book and kind of highlight some of those stories of... And why do you guys put stories in there? And I noticed also that whatever the largest animal was in that recording period, there's kind of a story on that animal also taken. So, Yeah, so we don't want to have it just be a, a regurgitation of a bunch of statistics and numbers. Um, I think everyone likes you know looking at record books, or a lot of people like looking at record books to see what the biggest animals are, or you know, were the top five animals taken in the last five years or were they taken 40 years ago? If you look at the rifle record books, a lot of those animals were taken on the Kaibab, you know, back in the 1940s, 1950s. You know, how many, how many are coming out in the last few years? So that's another thing. You know, certain species have peaks and valleys. The, uh, right now, Arizona's probably taking some of the biggest mule deer that have ever been taken since the 50s. Uh, it's starting to, to peak again. There's some giant deer coming off of the strip and the Kaibab. And, and, uh, but antelope probably peaked in the late 90s, early 2000s, or when some of the biggest antelope were being taken in Arizona. So species go through cycles, and that's part of the data that record books provide. Uh, but we don't want to just 
furnish that information for the hunter. So we usually sit down at the beginning of uh, the preparation of each record book. We put out a book every eight years is what we try to do. So uh, we sit down, uh, the committee, the board of directors, and we try to think of what topics might be interesting for uh, today's bow hunter to read. So um, we kick ideas around, we come up with story ideas, and then we think about who might be the best author for that. Who would be a person that's an expert in that field that could write that? And uh, so uh, one of the one of the topics that uh, we decided in this last one was social media, Facebook, and other social media are starting to play a huge role in hunting, people sharing their hunting photos, anti-hunters coming on and being negative about hunting. And, and uh, so we wanted to talk about being smart in this world of social media. And, you know, you should be proud that you're a hunter. You don't need to hide in a closet that you're a hunter. Uh, you can post your trophies on social media, but, you know, try and post tasteful photos and think about what you're doing. Um, recently, I read on a, a hunting forum where a uh, young lady uh, shot an animal in Africa, and that's fine that she posed with it. She took a lot of grief from anti-hunting women about it, but then she posted a picture of her holding her heart in in her hands, and perhaps that's not the smartest thing to post put on social media. So, so we have an article uh, that was written by Corky Richardson's son, Russ Richardson, wrote an article about wise use of social media. We thought that was pertinent. Um, but other stories that we have in the, the current issue of the record book is um, Stalking Mule Deer by Randy Ulmer, uh, Tips on Glassing, uh, Tips on Field Judging Elk, What It's Like to Be a Female Bow Hunter, um, and those are all written by people that are experts in those fields, uh, people that most uh, people in Arizona would, uh, would recognize their names. Um, and... Then we got a biologist at the Arizona Game and Fish Department, Jim Heffelfinger, who has spoken to wildlife organizations all over the country. He has written a lot of books on the topic and articles. I believe he's written hundreds of articles, and he was nice enough to write uh, some interesting articles. And so I sat down with him and said, here's the type of things that I think the readers of a record would, book would be interested in uh, hearing. So uh, he did a three-part series for us. One is on the growth of antlers, how they grow, what causes them to get bigger, things like that. Um, I also think that in this day and age, people start thinking, well, if we're taking all the biggest bucks, you know, on the strip, we're using trail cameras, we're taking the biggest bucks on the strip year after year, are we hurting the gene pool? So I asked him to write an article about what studies have been done. Are we hurting the gene pool? Are there going to be smaller deer? There don't seem to be. We've gone for decades now taking the biggest animals and yet they seem to keep getting bigger and bigger and he explains why that is how how trophy hunting is not hurting the gene pool um, from a scientific perspective but he wrote the articles in everyday layman's terms he didn't write them like scientific articles so i think they're fascinating to read uh, one of the things i'll just touch on real quick is that you know when a buck breeds half the fawns that he produces are does and and we're not hunting does in Arizona. Plus, you couldn't isolate out and kill the does with those genes anyway. So those does continue to spread his genes uh, throughout her lifetime. So for maybe eight or ten years, she's having fawns with his genes. So um, if he was her father. So so it's really difficult to uh, 
to take out that that gene pool. Uh, he also wrote an article. I thought it'd be interesting. You hear people that say I took a a deer that I think was a cross between a a mule deer and a coos deer. So he talks about that. You know how many cases have actually been documented of that and and uh, talks about how that happens, when that happens, shows some pictures of it, how to tell if you legitimately have one that's cross crossbred, not just because the antlers happen to look like a coos deer, doesn't necessarily mean that it is a, a crossbreed. So so those those types of things, I just think it's uh, uh, really interesting. And, and then for the last, since I've been a member since 2000, so for the last three editions of the record book, I've written an article that says, how Arizona ranks nationally, you know, do we do we occasionally produce a world record class animal? Are there other places in North America that are are producing much bigger animals than us? Uh, uh, so I go species by species of the uh, categories that uh, the eight species that that Pope and Young and bow hunting in Arizona both have in common, uh, and say Arizona's biggest. Bison, for example, uh, happens to be the, so. Our state record bison is also Pope and Young world record bison. So I go species by species, tell how big our largest one is in that article and where it ranks in Pope and Young to kind of give you an idea uh, of whether we're leading the the uh, the continent, not just the nation, but Mexico and Canada are also in Pope and Young. So where we rank on the national scale and uh, Arizona actually consistently has more world records than any other state or province in North America. You would think a state like Alaska that has several species that don't occur any other place, you would think they would have more world records. Uh, but out of the 29 uh, different species in North America, Arizona consistently has about six world records. And uh, that's been the case Every time I've written this article, we've had five to six records, and currently I believe we have six world's records. Mm -hmm. uh, the Pope and Young is certifying world's records this weekend up in Reno, Nevada. So, wow. so that could change after this weekend, but currently I believe we have six world's records out of the 29 categories, and all six of those species are available to hunt in several other states. So we don't have any species that is not available in other states, whereas Alaska has brown bears and uh, barren ground caribou and things like that. And yet they only have, I believe, uh, two or three world records. So um, no other state has more than about three world records, and Arizona has six consistently. And That's they incredible. Change, and they change. You know, a couple of years ago, in the last couple of years, one or two of our records have fallen, but we've replaced them with different species world records. So, so Arizona leads the way nationally. That's amazing. Speaking of the book, um, we actually talked about doing some CHA. A lot of our followers uh, follow our CHA raffles. We do a lot of raffles, and we talked about getting some of your books and raffling those off with a history of multiple books. And also we want to have our listeners know where to find how to buy this book because I think it's an incredible book. So um, do you want to talk about the different books, um, specifically of the eight-year period and kind of what those represent in the years? Okay, the so, yeah, I'd love to. So, uh, as I said, Arizona tries to put out a book every eight years is our goal. Um, if they sell out a lot earlier than that, we, we may produce it more quickly than that, but our, our current cycle is every eight years. Uh, every two years, we have a convention or a, uh, a banquet where we give out awards for the largest uh, three animals killed in every category for the two-year 
period of time preceding that banquet. So after every four awards banquets, we put out a new book. And um, yeah, you can buy the book on our website, bowhuntinginarizona.com. And uh, it's $25. That includes shipping. Uh, so delivered to your door for $25. And uh, you can also buy it on Amazon, but it's uh, going to cost you closer to $40 because Amazon takes a big chunk. But you're welcome to buy it there if you prefer. Uh, a lot of the archery shops around town carry it, not just around town, around the state. There's even a pharmacy up in uh, Springerville or Sholo wow. that I know sells a lot of our books. They they've got, they go through a lot. We've got tire shops in Payson that sell it. So there's a lot of different stores yeah. around the state that sell it. But uh, uh, support your local bow hunting shops and, and buy the book there if you'd like. And... Uh, uh, so the current edition came out in 2018, so we're a few years away from the next edition. Mm -hmm. We've already sold through about more than two-thirds of the books uh, that were printed have been sold in just two years. So, that's, Man, that's, that's really good. That's encouraging, for sure. And it just shows you, and a lot of it's just word of the mouth. I mean, it's not like you have a big social media you know, post out there, and a lot of people, when I bring up, you know, the record book, they're like, what are you talking about? There's a record book in Arizona? And I think that's one of the other things. It's we got to get the word out there, and this is why we're excited to have you here today because we have a hidden gem in Arizona that basically lays out all of what Arizona has to offer through the record book. I, I, think, uh, I think that two of the most valuable things, um, uses for the record book, just for the average hunter, not only can you see um, – all the different entries, but every single entry actually lists the unit it was taken in. So, you know, if you're looking for a place to hunt elk and you can just look at the, the elk section, look at the top 10, 20, 50 bulls and you can see the exact unit they came from and what year they came from. So you can easily tell at a glance which, which animals or uh, which units are producing trophy animals of that species in recent years. There's also the last uh, two pages of the record book is a, a hunt unit uh, table. And it very in a very simple table with all the hunt units listed down the left side and all the species in Arizona listed across the top, uh, you can easily tell at a glance which unit has produced the most of every species in the record book. So uh, antelope's the first one on the list here. So if you wanted to know which unit uh, has produced the most uh, antelope in the record book, it's summarized right there. You can tell that uh, uh, any particular unit has produced 50 and maybe a different one has produced 150. So you can tell at a glance uh, during the history of the record book which units are producing the most records just in sheer number. And then you can go to that particular section and see where the biggest ones came from or where they've come from in recent years. So to me, just that information is easily worth $25. It's not available from Game and Fish. It's not available anywhere else. It's the only source of it. And we've been keeping this information in a computer since uh, 1970 or 1980, I'm sorry. And uh, so it's all summarized there for you with uh, 15 seconds worth of work. You can know all that information for $25. I think lastly, um, has BIA, has bow hunting in Arizona helped you uh, be a better hunter? Or has it given you any information that um, makes you look at species a little bit differently, not just from the trophy hunting aspect, but you're able to quickly field judge or you're able to quickly pass on an animal? 
or can you touch on that at all? There, so, so in this particular issue, as we mentioned before, there is an article about uh, 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 where one of the top guides in Arizona wrote an article about how to judge elk when you're in the field, you know, what to look for, how to judge them. Um, so things like that can really help a hunter. It took you 20 years to get that tag. It, it'll really help you uh, get on a bull and say, is that the bull I'm looking for? I've waited 20 years and I want to make sure I take a bull that scores uh, in the 350 area. So, you know, they tell you some quick things to look for that you can at a glance tell if that bull's going to make that, that for you. Um, a lot of guys come from out of state. I think it's an excellent resource for uh, people out of state that, wow, I've put in for 15 years, I haven't gotten drawn. You know, what other units other than the, the top units, you know, other than unit 9 and 10 and 23, you know, what, what units can I put in for that produce a lot of record book bulls? Or, so I think for out of state people, it's an excellent resource to try and figure out that. Um, and then there's a, a, an article about how to judge elk right there. So um, I think that's helpful. Me personally, uh, it's allowed me to meet a lot of hunters, uh, got me uh, you know, into groups like uh, Christian Hunters of America, getting to know Mike, and, and you know, Mike helped me get the biggest coup steer I ever killed in my life because we're friends, and, and that was my, my curse uh, for a long time was uh, just getting a, a nice coup steer, and, and Mike helped me out with that. So it's helped me because of the fellowship of getting to know a lot of other hunters, and um, Mike, Mike's helped me get a couple, <laughs> couple big coos deer as well. The blind squirrel can lead you but, sometimes. <laughs> but I, I, my, my fascination with record books started back when I went to the University of Arizona, and they used to have uh, edition number one and edition number two of the Arizona Wildlife Trophies record book. So this was back in the late 70s, early 80s. And you couldn't check them out. They were in the science library in the, uh, the section where you could just, uh, they're referenced. You, you could look at them, but you couldn't check them out. And I spent hours and hours in the library looking at those. I was just becoming a bow hunter in about 1980. And, you know, I wanted to go try and get a javelina. So, you know, where, what units are producing record book javelina? I, I just became fascinated by that. And, uh, and then when I took my, f my first big animal or two that, that were big enough to enter into the record book. And I started entering it into Pope and Young and into bow hunting in Arizona. Um, I just had some trouble getting my animal entered into bow hunting in Arizona and following, on, uh, following it up and hearing back from them. And uh, it was big enough where it need, one of them needed to be panel scored. And we set up a panel and I went to the panel location and there was nobody there. And then I didn't hear back for a while. And things like that. And this was back in the 90s. So I just felt that I didn't have a right to complain about the system that was all volunteers if I wasn't willing to spend my time trying to make it better. So I volunteered at that point. Uh, you know, sounds like you guys could use some help. I have some thoughts on how to improve it. Uh, they welcomed me into the group. And uh, so I joined it in about the year 2000, I think. And, and just, uh, tried to become part of the solution instead of just part of the problem. And, and same thing with Pope and Young when I joined Pope and Young and, 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 and became a major for Pope and Young and uh, eventually got on their records committee for a period of time. I've served on several panels. 
uh, to certify new world's records and the top animals in the listings. And we've thrown out that word panel a little bit uh, just real quickly. Any animal that's uh, in Arizona, if it's one of the top three killed of that category, uh, we require it to be panel scored. So you find a measure, you have it measured, uh, they submit the application to us. We say, oh my God, that's a 410-inch bull elk. Uh, we will contact you and say, that's going to be in the top three in that category. Uh, we need to get a panel of uh, three, three of our measures, including at least one board member, have to be present. And we remeasure that to certify it to make sure that the top of our record book is always kept very accurate, that there wasn't a mistake made by the individual measure uh, and uh, Pope and Young does the same thing. Boone and Crockett does the same thing. So in Pope and Young, if it's in the top 10 in the world, uh, it has to be panel scored to be listed in their records program. And uh, every two years, they meet to certify those records, which they're doing this weekend in Reno. And every, uh, every uh, if it's going to be for Pope and Young or for bow hunting in Arizona, if it's one of the uh, three largest taken in Pope and Young's cases, if it's one of the five largest taken in that category in the last two-year period, they will call it in to be panel scored just to, to have uh, uh, some extra hands of expert measures on it to make sure the top of the record book keeps uh, as accurate as at all possible. And then after that is conducted, they will declare which animals will win the top three plaques at the upcoming convention. And in the case of Pope and Young, it's going to be in July in Reno, Nevada, excuse me, in Reno, Nevada this year. And uh, a bow hunting in Arizona, as I mentioned last year, was canceled. Uh, we're meeting next week, and we hope to be able to announce that we might be able to have a, a, our banquet uh, this spring still, or maybe early summer. So stay tuned. Uh, you can go to our website, our Facebook page, Instagram. We'll announce if we're going to have a banquet. Uh, in recent years, we've done a, a banquet in conjunction with the Arizona Bow Hunters Association, that way our award winners can come and it adds attendance to their banquet. Yeah. Their people can find out more about our program and make sure they enter their animals to our program. And we've worked really well together. That's been a great association. But we are two two different associations, even though we work together on a lot of projects. So yep. that is great. Any last parting words for us, Marvin? I don't think so. Mike uh, mentioned earlier that... Uh, that we've had several editions over the years. We've printed six books. The most recent is the sixth edition, which I had the honor to be the editor of that uh, book. But we do have six editions. We do have prior uh, copies left. Uh, we put out a standard edition uh, of every record book, and we also put out a collector's edition, which has a, a nicer hardbound cover on it. Uh, it also has an extra page inserted in the front of the book, with a drawing of some big game animal, and then the editor of the book signs it, and we number that book one of 750. Uh, so some people have been collecting the books. We have you know, a great number of people that have been collecting books since the first edition, and they collect the same number. If they're number 31, for example, uh, they, they buy number 31 of every edition, so they have the complete set. So if someone wants to start collecting them, we can help them out with that. Um, I think we're going to try and, and at least put together maybe the last three editions, maybe the fourth, fifth, and sixth edition. We'll try and find a matching set with all the same number. Uh, it's getting, it's pretty, 
it's pretty difficult. Well, it's basically impossible to put together the whole set of six because the first edition sold out instantly the year it came out. So, But if somebody does happen to have a first edition out there that has a number in it, we can try and see if we can put together the rest of the set. Or you can start collecting them and just get a standard first edition perhaps. Um, but uh, we're going to try and put together a match number set of maybe the last three editions uh, and put it up on the auction with the other CHA uh, items and uh, see if there's an interest in that. If a, a lot of people are interested in that, we'll probably continue to do that periodically or, or different combinations, maybe just a single numbered book or a single standard book. But uh, yeah, we're excited to try it. So I think it's a, a great resource for a lucky winner. So for sure. All right. So with that, this will conclude our uh, segment um, with Marvin. So we sure appreciate you coming. Thank you for having me. I and, really appreciate uh, yep, helping and, to get uh, the word out there. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we'll be sharing it and everything else. And as we, we try to do, and sometimes we forget, we always like to end our podcast with a quick prayer. So I'll pray for us real quick and we'll end this podcast. So Lord God, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to live in the United States, Lord, and specifically here in Arizona. And uh, this time of year when it's beautiful outside, we just ask that you uh, bless all that we do, Lord. And, and we just ask that you bless our listeners, Lord. Lord, and if there's any listeners out there, Lord, that may need prayer, uh, you can you please reach out to us through our info at ChristianArtsAmerica.com, and we'd love to pray for you. So and we, right now, Lord, we just uh, thank you again, Lord, and we just thank you for this fellowship. We thank you for the, the long time that I've been friends with Marvin, and he is truly uh, one of the best hunters that I know, and there are so many different avenues that, that makes him successful, Lord, that's not really what a normal hunter would do and, and we hope to tap into some of that knowledge for the rest of us and some of the listeners in the future and we just ask that you bless marvin and uh bless the pod as uh, our friend here martin uh, so graciously allows us to come into his house and uh, to do this podcast in jesus name amen thanks for tuning into today's episode of Christian Hunters of America podcast. If you have any prayer requests or you require any information, please look us up on christianhuntersofamerica.org or you can reach us on Facebook or Instagram under Christian Hunters of America.